to live your life to the fullest. for exotic animals um, and that was a dream that he had and he created it three years later his uh, lifelong dream came through which was like you know being with jaguars and you know kind of hanging out with wolves I don't know how many people can say they've done that and just uh, playing in the snow with tigers it sounds um, kind of scary but wow fascinating um, and what you said in your bio is that you wanted to help other people experience the same type of things. And I, I think that's a, a fascinating thing because I, I know it within my life, you kind of do what's expected and uh, sometimes you kind of get veered off. So your present um, adventure is to, the name of your business is Limitless yep. Adventures. And what you do is you work with individuals and companies to help them create and grow the space within themselves. So I'm sure I'm not doing your bio justice, but it's, it's very, it's very fascinating what you've done going from, you know, I kind of think of us in Toronto and, you know, to go from Bay Street to yeah. kind of hanging out with these exotic animals. What, what a big shift. So thanks so much for hanging out with us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. So what's it like in BC? What's it like in BC today or in general? Yes, what's it like today in BC? Well, we're on our 400th day of rain, and tomorrow night they're calling for uh, snowmageddon, up to two meters of snow. Wow. No two meters of snow in 24 hours or 48 hours up in the mountains, so uh, cool. we're hunkering down, yeah. Wow, goodness, and we're, we're still at minus 10 here, which is, uh, we're trying to kind of keep it all together, because we're in Southern Ontario, we're not so accustomed here in Niagara to that, but, um, you know, people are getting out and about. So, Scott, I just, I'm fascinated with what you do, like, and the fact that you went from such a space and you created this shift in this, this dream within three mm -hmm. years. So tell me more about um, what happened for you and how you kind of started to approach things to, to create this dream for yourself. I was uh, I was at university, like many folks, and you get uh, channeled in by the, the, uh, the academics of the day, the, the thought processes of the day, went to York University, highly regarded business school there, went on to Bay Street and soon found out that uh, when I was interviewing entrepreneurs, I was on the wrong side of the table. I was the entrepreneur, not the banker. And so uh, within a short period of time, I, I left, did some bartending up in Whistler, which is what everybody who's just spent $30,000 on an education should do. Uh, and you know, much to my family and, and uh, chagrin, and, and then uh, saved some money, went to Hawaii and said, if I could do anything at all. And I, at that point, I believed I could, and I still do. Um, I said, I've always wanted to work with wildlife. And I came back to your neck of the woods, 
in Toronto. And uh, startups are looking for jobs that uh, would involve me working with wildlife. And there was a grand sum of zero jobs for that. So I uh, started doing uh, volunteer work. So now I'm paying debt off, you know, $30,000 worth of, uh, of debt. Uh, on a volunteer job and I created one with an endangered animal sanctuary in downtown Toronto for those who are in Toronto think of Bayview Avenue and Eglinton Avenue there was wow. 12, 12 exotic cats there on Millwood Crescent uh, and uh, I did some volunteer fundraising work there and and that led me to saying you know what I think I can do this and I approached a, an accredited zoo in in Ontario and they became my healthcare facility and we started taking in uh, abandoned exotic pets, uh, zoo surplus animals, uh, circus animals, all those kinds of animals that have no place to go when their original owners don't want. And we raised uh, funds for them uh, and had a, a farm up near Peterborough, Ontario, a five acre farm and uh, did rehab and release work for them. So when you said, you know, playing with a, a, a Siberian tiger in the snow, yes. Uh, swimming underwater with a jaguar, yes. You know, running with a pack of wolves, yes. Uh, it was sort of like, I remember thinking when I was 28 years old, and I've been doing this for a year or two, uh, if the Lord were to come down and strike me dead now, somehow I was okay with that. And that seems very weird to be recanting that to you today, but I just said life had been so amazing for me that I did not think I deserved anything else. And this was despite the fact that my mortgage was $1,400 and my first month revenue with the business was 500 and I had to go back and start uh, bartending again just to make ends meet. So that instilled in me very early the idea that uh, you know dreams and passions don't come easy. Uh, we in society are told to you know take a lot of the predictable stuff. Uh, we become risk averse in some ways. Uh, but if you stick with something long, I remember meeting uh, Richard Branson at uh, YVR here um, three years ago when they launched Virgin Airlines and. Uh, I managed to have about 15 seconds with him. And I said, listen, I work with entrepreneurs and business owners. One piece of advice, what would you give? And he said, most people lose it because they don't have sustained focus. Lots of great ideas, but they don't execute on it. And um, that just resonated with me a, a whole heap because uh, that's where most people lose it. When the going gets tough, uh, society says you should be making 100,000, 150,000. You should have the cars, you should have the vacations. And when you don't, you hold a society's opinion of you higher often than what you hold for yourself. So uh, I got to work with uh, Jane Goodall with the Chimps and Gombe, wow. uh, David Suzuki, uh, Al Oming uh, with Cheetahs up in Edmonton uh, with Wolves. So I met all kinds of incredible people. And, and when I went to university, my biology, my veterinary skills, how many were? Nada. You know, I was a marketer. Uh, so I was one of those ones who broke free from whatever I was originally crafted to be and have uh, continued to follow that track uh, since then. So you've always loved animals, I'm going to assume. Did you, when you were really young, were you really connected? And like, I mean, exotic, like, okay, I'm from Trinidad. So like, uh, okay, I see exotic birds and stuff up yeah. here. I mean, you know, you're talking about things from all over the world. Were you always, did you always have an affinity to exotic animals or was it just all animals? It was uh, all animals and you know I was the guy who right where you were when uh, marine land was in vogue back in the 80s I applied to be one of the trainers there before we realized that was not the right thing to do um, so I always had I would catch garter snakes everywhere I went I remember walking around bear dumps you know up in uh, cottage country and looking for bears much to my parents chagrin I'm lucky to be alive you know in a lot of ways for that but uh, but the wildlife component the nature component yeah it's always been there. 
And if I had so, had good grades in university, by the way, I probably would have, you know, the 90s, I would have gone to vet school. I just am not that smart. I wasn't that smart <laughs> to do that. So, you know, you, you brought up a really, I, like you, kind of took the path. Like I, you know, decided, I don't think I can go, I, my, I don't like sciences. I don't like math, so I don't want accounting. Um, I don't think I like drawing, so I don't want to be an engineer. Maybe law, I don't know. So I think I like to talk to people, right? And I hoped to God that there would be something. So I decided really early that I wanted to be a talker, which I didn't realize there was a field that you could do that. So somewhere in there, you decided, like you said, when most of us are like entrepreneurs, I know you're an entrepreneur, I am, we step into things where there's so much, I often say the fear is so high, right? Like you have the mortgages and you have to send the kids to school and you got to buy all that stuff, you know, to be able to just be able to sustain a life and you make $500 and then your mortgage is $1,400. Something in you had to have reshifted to be able to, for you to stay the course. Cause a lot of people get scared. They do it for, you say six months you know, they go kind of into the credit line and then they, they jump ship. Yeah. So, you know, I'd ask you this, what's the cost of not doing it? What's the cost of having a career for 20 or 30 years where you're living for that final pensionable day? Um, all the things that are lost. And, and that's where you have to either go with societal norms. And a lot of entrepreneurs in your family may be this way too, Roxanne, is, you know, if you're from an entrepreneurial family, chances are you will pursue that. You'll understand what it takes to make that happen. Mm -hmm. um, we've got one of the guys out here who founded uh, EA Electronic Arts, who on his off time still works with his parents' Chinese food restaurant delivering food. The guy is a multi-multi-millionaire. I won't say billionaire because I don't know that for the fact, but, you know, they understand what it takes to make something happen. So the opportunity cost of actually taking a job that you don't want to go into. I mean, with the animals and wildlife, I was doing shows. I'd get up at five in the morning. I'd feed. I'd drive two hours to Toronto, do four hours of shows, get home at seven at night and repeat. I loved it. You know, mm. oh, I got paid for it along the way. And I, I think if you can find something that you love, um, uh, people love to follow passion. You know, and, and that's how you and I connected. I remember reading your book. I remember listening to your radio show. And I said, I would like to somehow work with you in the future. So mm -hmm. I think if you put passion out there, you, you, you attract uh, in the universe. To avoid I, th I think you're right. As you're younger, you know, and I know you have kids. I have a son. You look at them and they're so inquisitive and they're, you know, they're natural. And, you know, the things that they come up with, you know, I remember once, uh, my son had some boys, you know, when they were about eight or nine years old and I was upstairs and I think I was reading and I fell asleep and, and I got um, a text that says, come downstairs now. And when I had gone to the basement, they had found everything that they could find. And there was levers and there was ramps and all this <laughs> stuff, the croquet set was set up. And, and I, I was sitting there going and I wrote a piece on it because I thought, you know, to, to channel that, and oftentimes you're right, as adults, we lose that. Because I looked at them and I thought, how did you guys come up with this? And they had created this terrain um, that they were playing with kind of all night, you know, in the, into the evening. And that, that mind um, is just so special. But as adults, you're right. We kind of, you know, we go to university, we meet the partner, we have the 2.5 children, we know you buy the house on the cul-de-sac where I live now, and you take, you know, one, maybe one vacation every five years, and you, you know, you save for retirement, and you know, you hear, and I can't wait 
till I retire. That, that seems to be the cycle that people um, do over and over again. So with, in my business, I try to get people connected with what, what's your authenticity about? What is that voice deep down inside that tells you that you're unique? So tell me a little bit more with your um, business, which, which sounds really um, spicy compared to mine. How do you get people connected? Like, how do you, do you use physical? What do you do to help people connect? So there's two aspects to the business and you can direct me which one. I do work with individuals to do that. And I also work with companies and they're, they're sort of two different skill sets. So point me in a direction and uh, I'll go down that lane. Well, let's, let's start with individuals because I'm curious to, to because I'm going to assume probably uh, the people are listening are probably more individuals. So let's start mm -hmm. there. Okay. So with an individual, um, you know, I usually talk, my, my person is usually 40 plus. They're, uh, they're uh, often sort of at a loss. People don't seek any kind of uh, change or help until they actually feel some significant pain. So that's, that's usually where we get to. And I usually meet a lot of our folks when we go on a, a snowshoe outing uh, or we do one of our Tough mutters, or we do some other crazy event. And you start to see them going, hey, I'm with the group. I haven't done this for 20 years. I'm having a really good time. What's next? So momentum. That's really what the start is. Uh, I do believe in the power of the posse and that when we take a look at who we are, we're often the average of the five people we hang around with the most. And we help them change their posse a little bit. Uh, they, they get out with folks who aren't necessarily the folks from their, you know, their normal community, their culture or their work or anything like that. And uh, once they get started, often then it's... Um, they're on their own. They, they know what they can do and uh, they will uh, you know, often look for new work. They're just realizing that there's all kinds of things that are possible for them. But what we really get into when we're, we're talking and it's a lot of casual conversation as we're, as we're climbing the mountain and I think we're going snowshoeing on Sunday in a snowmageddon kind of thing. <laughs> um, it, it'll be sort of like, man, I, I didn't think I can do this. I mean, we had uh, one guy, 62, weighed 270 pounds and he trained for a Tough Mudder. He got down to 230, which was a lot of weight off, but he was still a, he was a brick. He was just a, a brick. And uh, he came and did the 19 kilometers with us and uh, support each other. We have this, this thing that no person gets left behind. And uh, he, you know, he continued on after that. He's done four Tough Mudders since then. He's down to 180 pounds. Uh, wow. left his work, re, you know, retired and started his passion business, which happens to be, uh, um, bicycles. He's always loved cycling. So he's cycling around the world. He's doing tours and all those kinds of things. Um, we have folks who, um, access their community element, their charity element. They've always said they're too busy to, to help out. So all of a sudden, what may be the, the Colonel was started is helping out on the Lower East side here in Vancouver, handing out lunches on a Sunday afternoon. And all of a sudden that makes them feel alive and that gives them the possibility of going forward. So it's um, sometimes physical and sometimes it is, uh, you know, uh, what they're thinking is possible in their lives. It's, it's intellectual. And then it often goes to career. They're going, you know what? I'm really not happy with what I'm doing. I don't want the steady decline of health over 30 years so that I end up with bad hips and knees and you know, on a cane by the time I'm 70. And uh, you know, then it gets into diet and health. So, can I call it a circle and people enter at different points of the circle and we go from there. So kind of based on, and I, I, like you said, you read my book, what I, it took me making massive change based on a significant relationship ending. And that's yeah. oftentimes what happens is with people I get, that I see when I consult with them, there's a crisis sometimes, and sometimes they need not get to a crisis to be able to make change. It could mm -hmm. be, you're right. You know, 
it may be that they come and they try this tough mother and they can't believe that it's possible that like this man that you're talking about and that probably changes how he thinks ultimately because now he's so connected to himself and then connected to how he feels and then now probably thinks wow I, this is pot anything is possible so is that what you find do you find that some people come and they go well i know scott this is already kind of nice but i've you know i've i've got the i just turned 52 two days ago and yeah. so you hear people say well you know i'm 50 so therefore i should not i cannot i need to slow down you know oh that's verbal cancer i believe that's verbal cancer for a lot of people as soon as uh, you speak something into your life your body um, you know on a very subconscious level responds that and that's not my opinion that's sort of science behind that whatever you speak your body has that physiological reaction to that so very cautious about you know what you say in your life I'm 56 now um, I'm still playing competitive volleyball with folks who are 25 years younger than I am it's not that I'm six foot tall I'm not six foot tall it's not that I, I'm in great shape. I just tell my, my body that that's what I, I want to do. So there's a switch. When you're in your 20s, your body leads you. It has so much energy that you often don't know what to do with it. You get to you know um, our area of age, and all of a sudden, if you don't take command of your own ship, your body's going to start shutting itself down. You have to become that stronger captain um, to tell your body and your mind what it's going to do. So um, this is the only muscle or the, the most important muscle that you have here to, you know, what that self-talk is that you have inside your, your head and what you're going to tell your body, you're going to command from it. I mean, we still have folks, uh, one of our guys is 77 who's still playing, you know, competitive volleyball and, uh, you know, nothing special about him athletic wise. He wasn't an Olympian or anything like that. He's just decided that that's what he's going to do. So I think for a lot of us, we just have to decide what we're going to do. And when you feel sore in the morning, when you get up, when you feel tired, <laughs> Who's going to win? Who do you let win? Do you push the snooze button? Um, you know, do you ignore physical activity because, oh man, it's physical activity? Well, the opportunity cost of doing that, you know, when you're 70 and 80, and we have, you know, parents who might be a little bit older than that, but we've seen friends who are 60 but acting like they're 80. And you're so right, right? Because you get that mental when, you know, um, someone said to me, So are you going to start not counting birthdays? And I said, no, why would I not count my birthday? I mean, that's a yeah. great day. Um, I thank my mom and dad for having me and putting up with me. And then I, I enjoy and I celebrate. Like, I mean, I was in Trinidad, so I had a big celebration for my birthday. But, you know, it's it's the power of, I have a friend and she's a dear friend and she's a personal trainer. And she, so she's my person that kind of makes me think that anything is possible physically. And this is a funny story, but I think I should tell it to you. One day there was a group of us, it's a group of us that work out and, um, she said, we're going to go for a hike. Now I should know with this person and anybody that knows me that has heard this story laughs. She said, let's go on a hike. And her, one of the girl's husbands drove us to Beamsville. I don't know. You probably don't yeah. know Niagara very well, but it's a Bruce trail. Mm -hmm. The man that was dropping us off looked at me and says, are you sure you're going to do this Roxanne? I said, Oh, absolutely. I am right. We hiked from Beamsville to the St. Catherine's Brock Tower. <laughs> I was hallucinating at the end, I think. My body was, and then I said, it's interesting, right? Now I've hiked for eight and a half hours, and I, could, I, didn't, I, I, I said to my friends after, they were laughing at me. I said, 
And now I'm going through all these things. Like, what if I was being chased? Or what did people go through that had to walk that long or those types of things? And then it became a now, I can hike for eight and a half hours up and down the Bruce Trail. So you're so very right when you say those things. And then now you realize it's possible. I did that two years ago when I was 50. That's awesome. <sighs> and what we don't like to do now that we're a little bit older is we don't like to take risk. We want to succeed our ego that's usually in our back pocket because there's fewer things as we get older, people telling us what to do. We don't have the teachers, the parents necessarily. And all of a sudden, the chance of failing at something um, for a lot of us really damages that image and ego that we have allowed to, to be constructed around us, either by family, friends, and ourselves. So we don't play as much anymore. We don't just go, hey, I'll just give it my best shot and whatever happens, happens. That's not good enough anymore. We'd have to see success, which also I think is a differentiating factor for a lot of folks who have that entrepreneurial mindset. I mean, with your business, are you enjoying the journey? Well, yes, I am. It's taken me everywhere. Like, I mean, I think of when I met you, what, six weeks ago or so, yeah. like, I had gone like from New York City to Ottawa and then I came back home and then I went to Trinidad and now I'm planning my year and it's you know it's 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 the it's like a it's like a gift every time I open yes I'm like you I'm like oh goodness what am I doing but then I think why not right like I'm at this point now where I'm recognizing that anything that I'm going to create some of it will fail that's mm -hmm. that's normal but did I, have I learned from certain things, but am I excited about 2018 or in the next? Absolutely. Because I, I can't believe what's happened in a short period of time based on me being really true to who I was. So like you, I got a severance package and shifted my life seven years ago and wrote a book and then started to speak and started to consult. And I never looked back. And every time I kind of thought I was going to go back, the corporate kind of shifted and I kept saying, no, you're not going there. No, you're not going there. And then, I, uh, and then mm -hmm. the, I went back to my passion, which was to speak and to train and, um, you know, consult with uh, different people. So I, I get what you're saying when, when um, you know, following it, even though it's scary, because it has been scary and I'm on my own also. So you're kind of thinking it's, you know, you don't have the backup from someone else. But guess what? You know, it's, it's been it's been a, quite the ride. Now, you said that people come to you in different ways right? They might come to you. So tell us a little bit more about how people, let's, I'm sure people are listening who are in our 50 group that are maybe having these dilemmas will probably want to know what they might experience and what ways they could connect with you to, to potentially work with you. So tell, tell me and tell the others what, um, you know, what, uh, you know, how they could do that. Fair enough. Two things, if I can, just before that is, I think an important thing is how do you define failure? And you mentioned this, and this is right at the kernel of what I do. Failure for me is not to fail. If I'm not pushing myself enough where I, I stumble and have to grow and have a, a challenging experience, then I'm living inside this, this bubble. And I didn't sign up for my life. And I don't know anybody who did to say, hey, listen, I'm going to strive for a mediocre life. Man, I can't wait to get that mediocrity. Boy, that sounds really good to me. And, and Yet that's what most of us get when we start to say, all I want is I don't want to fail anymore. I don't want to, to stretch my boundaries. So, um, you know, when you say you stumbled and you failed along your entrepreneurship, you know, I would say, no, you actually grew. You succeeded because you are more than you were before you had that failure. And, and that may sound um, very uh, minutia oriented, 
but that is the kernel of the psychology behind that that if you're willing to try new things and 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 sort of see where they go and evolve from there then you know life opens up to you if you're going to stay in that that one bubble that you always know everything it's predictable boy where does new stuff get in and isn't that the definition of insanity you know if you do the same stuff over and over again and expect a different result so somewhere you got to get in there um, to your question on, uh, you know, you know, people getting into, you wanted people, how they can get in touch with me. Yeah. Like how could yeah. they, yeah. What, um, do they go to your, like, yeah. Do go to your website. Do you do a consultation? What do you do? Or do you go for a run with them? I'm not sure what you do, Scott, but tell me, cause I'm curious. <laughs> Obviously I'm such a good self promoter. Most of my, my business is, is working with companies in the same kind of similar mindset. Uh, I do have some clients who are, uh, you know, who, who I work with both personally and then they take that stuff to their to their business but they certainly you know can visit my website you can tell i love to promote myself so much because i'm just <laughs> dodging around the question i am i'm such an authentic i you know it's sort of a but uh, yeah my website is uh scottarmstronglimitless.com and and what we do is we have a phone chat and just to find out what's going on uh, i was talking uh, two of my clients one of this is a cfl I, I created an academy for the players as they retire and i was talking to a guy yesterday who just got cut by one of the teams uh, in the cfl he's not coming back and he's bonded with a guy from the nfl who is playing and they're starting their own company so we've been able to help them move into that next thing that's really exciting for them and uh, and on Tuesday, I'm over at the military base in Esquimalt, uh, BC, doing the same thing for veterans as they're, as they're retiring. So generally speaking, with a conversation and whether it's a career, education, an internship, uh, entrepreneurship, uh, you know, we talk about that. But we usually get down to, to the, the topic of habitudes, which is just, you know, what is your attitude towards what success looks like in your life? And, and what habits do you have right now that are really helping you? And do you have some habits now that if we just did a couple of degree twists, uh, you know, or turns, could we could we open up some new opportunities that might really excite you? And so, uh, so you go into companies too and do it individually or as groups? Is yes, that uh, yeah. So it could be with a board of directors, uh, you know, where we we talk about strategic planning, and uh, sometimes you can have boards that are progressive and others that are mired in day to day operations, which they shouldn't be as a board. Uh, and other times it's a, a C suite uh, member. Uh, uh, you know, often, you know, <laughs> an interesting one was a client in Chicago just the other day called me up and said, listen, we're about to lose a $600,000 account because we can't close the deal. And I asked them what they had done so far to, to move that deal forward. And uh, I said, so have you talked to them? Because <laughs> 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 they were this 30 something thing where everything's done by text and stuff like that. And and you know, boy, that was a lot of brain power. But sometimes <laughs> a fresh, bright light, uh, you know, can provide some different strategies to, to help bring it across the line. And, and yeah, we brought it across the line for them. So uh, sometimes it's just a, a a different clarity in your ear that's whispering different things. Well, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. Um, and this is authenticity is so key, right? Because you can, like you're saying, you know, I don't know if you've had that experience with some people but they complain and they complain and they know what they need to do but they're just scared so hopefully yeah. by some of the things you've shared today people will realize you know whether it's you know um like you said changing your posse i listen to your podcast okay. changing your posse making that shift going to that meeting where there's nobody that you know or like you said going to a meetup you know, going to, you know, a trail where a meeting up with, with uh, pe different people, sometimes you never know when you're going to get that, that opening that creates a space in you to start to listen to really 
you know what what you should be doing yeah so thanks so much and um again and it's tell them the website again i know i have to prod you a bit <laughs> that's okay <laughs> scott armstrong and that's scott with two t's scott armstrong limitless.com and uh, you know, with the power of the posse, just uh, to leave a final piece, when you're talking to people, if you see them talking about positive, progressive things, keep them. If they're the ones who always come up with the problems in life and that's where they end it, there's a pause for thought for you. So thank you very much, Roxanne, for having me on today. Well, thank you. And so to my viewers, absolutely, I hope uh, if you're at, at this space or even if you own a company that's looking for it, that you connect with Scott. Um, you know, I talk about authenticity all the time, about slowing down, listening, but sometimes listening without action, like we talked about, doesn't give you what, what you're uh, needing to get to. So take care and uh, we'll talk to you soon. If you need to connect with me, you know where you can be reached. You can reach me at RoxanneDurhodge.com. Take care. Join Authentic Living with Roxanne every Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern on Global Voice Radio.